This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. In episode 21, we are exploring biography and memoir, and it turns out there's kind of a theme of transformation. Natasha's been reading Educated by Tara Westover, the story of a woman who was brought up by end times preppers with no formal education until she left home at 17. We're going to talk about Metanoia by the Australian actress Anna McGahn, the story of a woman's transformative relationship with her own body. And I've been reading Michelle Obama's much-loved autobiography, Becoming. But first, let's hear from Educated by Tara Westover. Luke was 15 when he asked mother if he could have a birth certificate. He wanted to enrol in driver's ed because Tony, our oldest brother, was making good money driving rigs hauling gravel, which he could do because he had a licence. Sean and Tyler, the next oldest after Tony, had birth certificates. It was only the youngest four, Luke, Audrey, Richard and me, who didn't. Once she'd begun the paperwork for Luke, Mother decided she might as well get birth certificates for all of us. It was harder than she expected. She tore the house apart looking for documents to prove we were her children. She found nothing. In my case, no one was sure when I'd been born. Mother remembered one date, Dad another, and Grandma down the hill, who went to town and swore an affidavit that I was her granddaughter, gave a third date. Mother called the church headquarters in Salt Lake City. A clerk there found a certificate from my christening when I was a baby and another from my baptism, which, as with all Mormon children, had occurred when I was eight. Mother requested copies. They arrived in the mail a few days later. For Pete's sake, Mother said when she opened the envelope. Each document gave a different birth date, and neither matched the one Grandma had put on the affidavit. That was from Educated by Tara Westover. Natasha Moore is here from the Centre for Public Christianity. Now, there has been a lot of buzz around this book, Educated, by Tara Westover. She was raised by survivalists on a remote mountain in Idaho. Her father, in particular, was a fanatical end-times prepper who didn't believe in government hospitals, doctors or education. She didn't receive any formal education at all until she was 17. Her memoir is about her own discovery of the transformative power of education. Hi, Natasha. Hi, good to be here. Yeah, so can you give us a sense of what Tara Westover's childhood was like? Oh, my goodness. It yeah. is intense. Wow, like, okay. I just spent the whole book being like, whoa, really? Wait, really? <laughs> because it is... I'm trying to avoid using the word crazy, but it's crazy. Okay. Um, so it's dangerous. You know, her, her family doesn't really believe in kind of health and safety. So, so, you know, she doesn't go to school. Mm. She also doesn't have a birth certificate for most of her life. And she doesn't quite know when her birthday is. Oh. Um, because, you know, out of the seven children, the three or four youngest ones, they were just like, nope, we're not doing, you know, they weren't delivered in a hospital. We're not registering with them with the government. Um, they have no school records. Um, instead, she spends her time, um, you know, helping her mother, who's an unregistered mid wife and then helping her father um they have like a scrapyard 
in on their property. And so mm. she's doing all this incredibly dangerous stuff with all this machinery. And, you know, they don't wear seatbelts. They kind of have these terrible car accidents, where, but they never go to a hospital when oh. someone's injured. Like, like, she's tough. You get the idea she's tough and right. they're all very no-nonsense um, and survive some astonishing accidents and wow. incidents. Okay. Um, but they're also very, you know, resourceful and in some ways like they're very close as a family growing up. Um, I suppose you kind of have to be because they're very like the outside world is, you know, Shut out. against us. And, yeah. You know, everything's going to come to a dramatic end and we need to make sure we're prepared for that. So it's a very unusual childhood, yeah. let's say. What a way to grow up. I mean, what was your relationship with a family like? Well, it's very, again, intense, I think mm. it's probably the word. Um, and, you know, she's writing this book from the perspective of many years later, having gone out into the world, actually kind of broken free, um, and therefore being able to look back on it with a different perspective from what she had as a child when she, you know, her father is a very charismatic man who she thinks um, probably had bipolar, had a, a lot of paranoia, as a result of that um, and would kind of be very up and down. And so he kind of managed to sweep his family along with him in all of his very strong ideas about the world and where things were going, but also, you know, that could be quite controlling. Well, I was going to say, was he dominating? Like, did she resist him at the time? Were they slapped down if they, you know, fought back or what? Yeah. So there's a lot of conflict that evolves. So between, you know, the father and some of the children, um, you know, she has a bunch of brothers um, and a sister. Uh, and uh, so there's also kind of an abusive relationship with, you know, one of her brothers is very violent um, and becomes more so as oh. she grows up. Um, but I think what's really interesting about it is that, you know, you kind of want to go, this is a horrific childhood and this is, you know, flat out abuse. Yeah. Um, and some of it is, but also um, she really brings out the complexity of that, that actually her parents really do love her and love all of them. Um, and they make choices for them that most of us would be like, that's a really bad idea. Take that child to the hospital. But it's, also because they love them and it's not as though she feels unloved, mm. you know. It's a really difficult path for her to tread as she kind of decides, actually, I've never been schooled. In theory, they were homeschooled, but they didn't do anything. Um, she worked in a scrapyard. Um, so she totally educated herself and decided to go off to university. She ends up going to Cambridge to get a PhD. Like she Cambridge in the UK? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So And to Harvard, she does some stuff at Harvard. Like she's really smart. But she was given no formal education. So, you know, she kind of has to. How did she make that happen? Like, how did she it's break a, free? Like, she. Well, so <laughs> this is the crazy thing about there are seven children. Three of them go on to get PhDs. Right. Four of them, I think my impression is they, like, can't really read very well. You okay. know, or like, so in terms of how their lack of education goes, it kind of goes one way or the other for them. And, you know, she rocks up at university, like she kind of, she studies the exam, she teaches herself. Um, one of her older brothers helps her a little bit, um, who's gone off to university beforehand. But she rocks up and, you know, she has this terrible moment in class, and this happens to her all the time, um, where she's like, she doesn't know what the Holocaust is. 
And when she's like, I don't know that word, what is that? Everyone's horrified because, like, how have you not heard of the Holocaust and are you denying the Holocaust? Like, what? what? Mm. But she she just, the, the amount that she it. doesn't know about the world yeah. that other people just kind of automatically pick up along the way, you know, so she has this really unusual path to education. Mm. And so, I mean, she's called the book Educated. What does it mean to her, to Tara Westover now, to be educated? Oh, that's a really good question because, um, you know, in some ways it's really about um, competing loyalties yeah. um, and which, like, how do you choose to educate yourself? Like, what do you choose to align yourself with? You know, there comes a point in her life where, because she's she's been kind of educated in these particular ideas about the world, such as, you know, the government, like you must never take money from the government because the government wants to own you. You can't get vaccinated. You don't want to have mm. medicine. God will heal you. Like, don't, don't right. appeal to these kind of authorities that most of us trust in the world. Um, and so later on she kind of has to decide, okay, well, I have this really visceral um, dislike of the idea of getting a vaccination, but I don't believe anymore what my father told me about it. Mm-hmm. And so she has to kind of go and convince herself, actually, I am going to get my vaccinations because here's what I've decided I believe about the world, which is not what I was kind of educated in. Um, and she just really um, beautifully charts that journey of instead of it being a kind of angry, resentful, I had these things taken from me. You know, she really like loves her family. And there were some things that she really learned and was kind of built in her character from the upbringing that she had. Mm even though the incidents in it are just unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> um, she tells it in a way that's neither kind of over nor understating that. She doesn't over-dramatise. She doesn't kind of play down um, these really quite dramatic things that happen to her. Mm. Um, and so you really get this sense of like, okay, what does it mean for someone to make and remake their own identity between these kind of competing loyalties. So why do you think the book's been so well received? Because it it really has um, been really talked about a lot, hasn't it? People have really embraced it. I think it's been really well received because it is brilliant. It is an amazing book. Like it's the, you know, those books that when you're reading them and after you've read them, just every conversation you have with someone, you're like, I have to tell you about this book I'm reading. It is just amazing. It's one of those books. I I suspect it will be my book of 2020, you know, and I only read it in January. Um, And I think it also does capture something about that rural urban divide in the US, but it's not only in the US, like the rural urban thing, the kind of religious, secular, um, you know, conservative, progressive, like some of those sort of polarizing differences Mm. between us. These are real people and this is what it's like to be part of that. And I think that's a really valuable thing for us to be like, oh, I can really identify with this person who whose experience is so radically different to mine. Mm. I mean, Tara Westover chose to walk away from that life and she managed to change her life. So is there something here for those who might be stuck in a situation they're unhappy with? I think... Certainly because everything about her story is so extreme, it feels very cathartic because, you know, if if she could do it, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> surely Anyone any of could. the rest of us could. But it's also really good on kind of the costs of that personally and how long that takes and how difficult that process is. Um, so I think, you know, um, it's no substitute for real um, psychological help. But this is sort of what memoir is for, right, is to be like, oh, well, this is how things played out for someone else. Um, And so let me kind of go through that and understand internally, like from the inside, how that works, how that can work for someone. But, you know, it's not just for people who've had traumatic childhoods. I think it's an everyone book. I think it's amazing. Yeah, cool. Uh, Now we've got another story of transformation uh, the actor Anna McGann's memoir, Metanoia, a memoir of a body born again. Anna McGann has been a regular on Australian TV since she got a big break in Underbelly Razor. You might have seen her on TV in House Husbands, Picnic at Hanging Rock or Glitch. Her memoir has been described as an achingly honest account of her struggle with her body, her femininity and her sexuality. I talked to Anna McGann and I asked her about her relationship with her body. I think what happened is that there was just an increase in pressure. Not only was my success entirely dependent on my physique, but that success was was necessary and that at any second I could lose everything. And I, I really, I didn't know where to find my worth. And so I allowed it to sort of be placed in my body and in my sexualization of my body or, or this idea of what beauty might be even though I didn't feel beautiful and I didn't feel lovable and I didn't feel worth very much at all. Um, it was this desperate attempt at trying to um, trying to find a life of meaning, I suppose, and, and really thinking if I, if I lose, if my body loses worth, I'm done for. And to come into the, an industry, an already brutal industry with that perspective, was really setting myself up for, for a lot of um, rejection and pain. So can you tell us a bit about the author? I think you've actually met her, haven't you? I have. Um, I got to interview Anna um, yeah. for – we actually had her on our podcast, um, our Life and Faith podcast that the Centre for Public Christianity does a couple of years ago. Um, and she talked about her story of, um, you know, how she became an actor and, you know, her relationship with her body and her eating disorder and how she, you know, very unexpectedly became a Christian. And that became actually our most downloaded episode ever. Yeah, wow. people really loved it. So when she uh, wrote this book, we were like, okay, we need to get her in again and um, dive a bit deeper into her story. Um, and that was, you know, I actually got to meet her in person um, at that point and she was just lovely. Um, and also, I mean, the beauty of interviewing an author who's also an actor is that she she's just excellent at it right yeah <laughs> like, she's good at she's a good talker um she has this beautiful voice as you know we heard there um and yeah has really kind of um been processing her own story and figuring out how to make it available to other people in a way that might move them as well mm. so metanoia that's not a word that most people would be familiar nope. with can you explain it to us yeah, so this is a Greek term um, and 
It's used in the Bible. It means repentance, um, which is a word that we also don't use very much, um, yeah. kind of in common um, language, uh, which is kind of a turning. Like it basically means transformation. It's a it's a transformation of heart. Uh-huh. Um, and Anna really, I think, felt that that word, which doesn't have the baggage of kind of repentance um, or maybe the clichedness of transformation, kind of represented something profound for her about the process that she had been going through for many years. Well, her story covers a lot of different issues, a lot of them related to, to her body, She mm. her struggle with anorexia, issues with sexuality, relationships, um, and and how her work compounded, you know, her work as an actor compounded some of that anxiety around her body. Um, so what what can we learn from her story? What what did you take out of it? The subtitle of the book is A Memoir of a Body Born Again. Um, and really the sort of structuring metaphor of the whole uh, story is, is kind of around these metaphors of the body. You know, her body as a trading tool or like even an enemy that she's kind of at war with her body or she has a divorce, like an estrangement from her body at some point, that it's a possession and then how that shifts actually um, to becoming the body as a sanctuary, uh, the body as um, an inheritance, the body as your friend. Um, so it, it kind of, because we do have this duality often in the way that we relate to our bodies. Like there's me and then there's my body, even though it's not kind of separate things. I am my body, but I do have a relationship with it as mm. well. And hers was very dysfunctional in a lot of ways. And so it explores that really beautifully and in a whole range of ways um and she has this kind of remarkable story of um after encountering jesus and hearing his words really to her that she's like actually these words are for me that she kind of woke up one day and was actually i've um i don't have this eating disorder anymore that i've had i don't have this dysfunctional relationship with my body anymore that i've had for years and years um and so you know, she's not in, – in all of her story, all the different elements of it, she's at no point kind of preaching or saying, um, I did this or it worked out for me this way and, and you should do this too. She's just like, let me tell you what happened What happened to I, me. I found that kind of confronting in her book in the fact that there are no answers. <laughs> she doesn't say you need to do this or this mm. is the first step. It, the trans there's no sense of how do you make this transformation come about mm. to her it's purely a spiritual transformation that she's not really in control of yeah um and because you know she is a very unlikely convert in some ways so she was very kind of anti-christian before she met some people who she was surprised to find were christians and then su- was surprised to find herself going along to church with them and was surprised to find that you know, she feels that God is real um, and that was definitely unexpected for her. Um, but before that, she was kind of a very spiritual person, you know, the whole kind of spiritual but not religious and she mm. looked into a range of kind of different spiritual practices and options and Buddhism and stuff. And the book has a lot of spiritual realities in it which will be confronting People that I know who have uh, read it have had quite different reactions. So, you know, some people who uh, share her faith have said to me, um, 
oh, wow, I read this book and then I felt like maybe I'm not really a Christian because I don't have the kinds of experiences um, that she has where, you know, she really kind of has this direct sense of God is saying this to me, this very specific thing to me. I need to give money to this person. I need to Mm. go to this place and talk to this person. And people are quite unsettled in their own faith by that. Other people who have said to me, oh, this was a lot of what my own experience of becoming a Christian was like. And I've never heard anyone else talk about similar experiences. And, you know, so that book was really affirming and wonderful for them. Like they felt as though they were talking to a friend, wow, someone who'd been there. Um, so really different reactions, but very compelling and confronting for people regardless, I think. So what did you enjoy about it? I really enjoyed her very personal stories. She tells a lot of stories. Like I've maybe with all the body stuff there and whatever, it sounds a little bit abstract, but actually it's a lot about her relationships, her friendships, and also her relationships with men and with women and her kind of encounters along the way with different Christian people, some of which are very negative and some of which are these kind of unexpected moments of grace. Um, And I think I just was really carried along by her story and wanting to wanting good things for, to happen for her <laughs> there's a lot of kind of things that are distressing and you know you think that having a breakthrough in your acting career really early and that that's a glamorous wonderful thing mm-hmm. but of course it's very complicated and lonely and distressing in a lot of ways uh so I think it's just a very it's a very raw book she's very open and honest and about herself and about other people so who would you recommend it for I think anybody who uh is a seeker who is interested in spiritual things but doesn't know maybe what that means or what form they'd like that to take um I think anybody uh, who has a complicated relationship with their body, which is, you know, most of us, a lot right? Of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's an insight into the acting world too, in a way. In that yeah, book, that I hadn't expected of the pressure there is to they're looking for this kind of body, you know, yeah. for this shoot, and the way that the, the stress and pressure that goes along with that that I'd never really thought about. Yeah, and I think getting an insight into how that objectification feels from the other side that, you know, we kind of go, oh, people on TV or people in movies. Like I think we, even though we know they're real people, we don't really. Well, we also think, think oh, they're all beautiful. They're all beautiful. And you look at them again, she's beautiful. Yeah. How would she feel inadequate about herself? Mm. But then, you know, when you hear what the process is like, yeah, it's quite grueling. Yeah. I have to say, for me, like when I've read this book, I, I I couldn't decide whether I wanted to read it or not. It's a little bit harrowing in places. Well, it's raw. Mm. She's vulnerable and I think that makes the reader vulnerable mm. as well. It feels very one-on-one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is a beautiful thing in a book. But, yeah, is also it's not something you can just kind of tear through and – be unaffected by. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. So weirdly, Natasha, all the memoirs that we've reviewed today have one word titles, Ed- educated, becoming, which I'm going to talk about, and metanoia. Mm. They're all about change and transformation. They're all by women. There you go. Isn't that unusual? It's almost as though we planned it that way. <laughs> <laughs> We're so meticulous in our planning. Um, but I thought we could 
play a game where it's like a one-word game. Change one word, ruin a book title. And um, mm. in the interest of full disclosure, I've stolen this from Sam and Duncan who do our breakfast show, but it's kind of a fun game. Well, you they rec- stole it, you know. Yeah. From- like I think it's I think Jimmy Fallon does the yeah. add a word, ruin a book yeah. thing. So, you know, you it's, just feel, it's common property. It's yeah, fine. That's right. There's it, a hashtag. It's, it's like playing hopscotch or <laughs> elastics. It's um, just like that. So, okay, here's my contribution for you. Okay. I immediately thought of Jane Eyre mm. and with all the smoke we've had in Sydney over the bushfires, I thought Jane's smoky air, kind of referencing, you know, the nice, fire as nice, well. topical. Uh, yep. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of a spoiler, The Late Gatsby. Ooh. <laughs> Controversial. And then, <laughs> nice. Um, do you know, I thought about The Great Gatsby and I was like, there's nothing I can do with that one. <laughs> <laughs> or just came to me in a flash of whatever. Um, and then my last one I thought was A Tale of Two Suburbs, just because it sounds so uh, lame. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know that it does sound lame. I kind of want to read that book. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll it. Write could it. be great. Okay. Modern if day Leanne Moriarty wrote it, I know. I'd be in. Right. <laughs> Suburban noir. <laughs> What about you? What have you uh, well, got? Well, I, I was doing more the adder word. Okay. Although, so one of them, and this is a bit of a feminist joke. Okay. Is it a joke? All right. Um, is belittle women. Ah, yes. As a kind clever. of, you know, reflection on the Oscars and also, a, you know, I suppose it would be transformed into kind of an MRA, like a men's rights activist or a pickup manual or something. Do you know, so. I actually looked at Little Women too and thought, oh, there's nothing I can there do There you that. go. <laughs> um, the Scarlet Letterbox, uh-huh. which would be a very different novel. <laughs> um, I was trying to, I was looking at, you know, doing something with the Little Prince marries an American and quits the monarchy. It's <laughs> adding a lot more words. Yeah, not exactly one word no, though, but yeah. No. Fun. This is not something I'm that good at, but other people on Twitter are. <laughs> so do you want to hear some of the like so favourites? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those ones I did make up myself, but um, my favourites from online were The Fault in Our Death Stars. <laughs> nice. Charlotte's Webcam. <laughs> That's good. Catch twenty two Pokemon. Okay, changes yeah. it dramatically. It does and also Jurassic Trailer Park. <laughs> oh, they're great. I especially uh, love the Death Star. I one. want some people to you know actually write those novels. Yes. Now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Very different ones. That could be hilarious, couldn't they? Oh, well, on a more serious note, I have been reading Michelle Obama's Becoming. Yes. I know I'm like two years late or something. <laughs> um, but I've been wanting to read this. And when I'm talking to people about it, you know, people will say, oh, I want to read that. <laughs> and I think because it's a thick book, it's a little daunting. So often it's been like it's been on my to read list for ages. I haven't felt that I've had the time. How thick is it? How well, many pages are we talking? I don't know because in How the many end, hours on the audio book? I went audio to audio book. <laughs> I went to audio book. You know me too well. And it's 20 hours. Okay. Just about 20 yeah. hours. So it's quite Maybe Dick is 24. So you Okay. Know. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what War and Peace would be. Um, or Les Miserables. But, um, Longer. Yeah. Mm. So what I'm loving about this book, and I'm so glad I've re- I'm reading it now. I, I'm oh, not good. quite finished. Um, but... I love what I love about this book is that it is about so many things. So, you know, it's about education, um, it's about being a parent, mm-hmm. it's about marriage, it's about 
women's politics and, and women's careers and feminism. Okay. Um, it's about growing up black on the south side of Chicago. Um, yeah, I've learned so much okay. about Chicago. Right. The south side. <laughs> I feel like I... Have you been to Chicago? Oh, of course not. I haven't even been to the US. Well, now you'll have to go on an excursion <laughs> inspired by Michelle Obama's Maybe. memoir. And so, I-, I mean, all that sounds very worthy. Is it like those are all really important topics is it interesting is it fun oh yeah it's fun well it's okay probably not fun (laughs) now that you're saying it it's probably not fun but it's definitely interesting okay and what i love about the audiobook is because she's reading it you really do get a sense that you're hearing from her and i feel like i've been hanging out with michelle obama for the past few days and i feel like we're besties now (laughs) and i can even say south side of chicago (laughs) exactly how she she, says it does she write well she does write well look if i had a little, you know, criticism of the book. And I have heard others say this, and I think it's very much true. It could do with an edit. It really could. It's a bit long. It's a little bit long. It's a little bit wordy. And some parts where she goes into great detail about how she's thinking and feeling about something probably aren't really mm. necessary to to drive the, the story forward. I compare it to J.K. Rowling writing the later books. It's like, Michelle Rama <laughs> writes a book. No one's going to edit that. Like, I mean, you know, they're not going to, oh, Michelle, you've got it wrong. We need to, you know, do a massive cut. She's Michelle Obama. People she do want to know her thoughts. People will read it. It'll sell. Also, I dispute the suggestion that the later Harry Potter books are too long. There is no such thing. Oh, there's too much Harry Potter. Definitely no. scenes that no. do not advance the no. plot. One I Well, over-tuck. advancing the plot is not the only consideration. Katrina. Oh, come on. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to enjoy the characters. <laughs> there are definitely some useless scenes in some of the Harry Potter Agree books. to disagree. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I would really recommend this. What surprised me about it is how inspiring I've found it. Oh. Um, like, I feel like I've learned so inspiring. much. Well, I think she's a very mature individual. Like, she learns some amazing lesson she's quite Mm. selfless she's had to put up with a lot of stuff she has she's for example their marriage right so many challenges in their marriage and barack didn't really change but she learned this is how i can adjust and Mm. adapt to cope with this so for example there's a part when they have young children where she is really at her wit's end because he'll call her and say, oh, yeah, I'm leaving soon, I'm on my way, and she'll be waiting with her children up so they can give Daddy a hug and he doesn't get home for four hours. you know. Or, or she's waiting for him to have dinner and by the time he arrives three hours later, she's starving and cranky and yeah. what's the point of having dinner with someone when you're starving and cranky? And So she adjusts her lifestyle where she starts to realise, you know what, we're going to eat dinner at 6.30 every night regardless mm. of whether he says he's on his way. Yeah. And that way I'm not sitting there well, that's relatable it and... for people, isn't it? It really is. It's I know this... a lot of friends with, the, with that <laughs> something like that issue. This is what I mean. So I feel like she has a lot of wisdom to offer. And it's not necessarily, I mean, yeah, there is political stuff there and there's career stuff there. But a lot of it is basically about growing up, what it takes to keep your marriage alive in these really unusual circumstances. Mm. Raising kids, she goes through infertility. I mean, she goes mm. through IVF and she shares all this stuff. Just the relationships she has with her family, the way she spells out the differences between her and her husband and their backgrounds and where that clashes. There's a lot in it, I think. Yeah. And I would highly recommend to any woman who has issues with her career, with sexism and, and you know, um, her femininity and with, with politics, with family, <laughs> with being a wife, with being a mum, with 
being a girlfriend a with whatever. Yeah, <laughs> she covers a lot, and I think she's a really inspiring person. Mm. Now, Katrina, I talked a lot. We could didn't stop I? there, or right, you could fess up, and we could discuss what the rules are on whether we can review books that we have not finished. Okay. <laughs> Well, yes, you're right. <laughs> I haven't finished this book. Um, but if we're calling people out here, you are wearing a badge about <laughs> libraries. Fast up. What does your badge say, Natasha? Um, uh, I think my badge says, having fun ain't hard when you have a library card. It's <laughs> and yet you are someone approach. who does um, not use a library. I have a library card. It was a New Year's resolution of mine. Also, the brooch was a gift. To right. be fair, so you know, but it's true that yeah, I I I don't go to the library. You don't go very to the much. library. This is true because I just I want my books. I want to have them when you I want, want them. And, them. And if you I don't love, want to share I, your books, if I well, no, I do. <laughs> I want to lend them out to people, but I want them to come back to me, not for mine to go back you want to ownership of your yes. books. Yes, because if I read a book and I love it, mm. then I want to own it, and I want to own the version that I read. Like the exact book that uh-huh. I read, I don't want to like get a new one, and that's yeah. not a book then I have history with. Like so, I know. yeah, I, 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 I have issues with the borrowing. Don't you like how I just affected your question? Yeah, you really did. <laughs> <laughs> At Woo-hoo! least I finished my book. Okay, well we're going to finish the podcast <laughs> yep, now. Yep, so. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Hope Book Club. In this episode, we have reviewed "Educated" by Tara Westover, "Metanoia" by Anna McGann, and. Three quarters of Becoming by Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Email bookclub at hopemedia.com.au. And thanks for listening to the Hope Book Club because life is just so much better with the book. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.